A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media.
so much love in the room. It's always wonderful when people want to make noise and you're all beautiful, good, noise-making human beings. This is a special recording of a Force Center podcast. Force Center is a podcast feed, so we have all sorts of different shows. This particular show is Star Wars Counseling, and this is a show that believes every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. (laughs) And we are going to try to find that point of view today. Uh, My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. I will be your host. And with me here is my partner in Force Center, Mr. Ken Knapsack. Hey, thank you. My other partner in Force Center, Jennifer Landa. And Force Center friend and charming human being, Mark Ellis. Marcus dressed nice for those listening to the podcast and stood up like a gentleman for the audience, as though he's on a date with the whole audience. Yeah, I was going to cosplay in something as Star Wars, but I figured I should cosplay as an adult with a 401k. So that's what I did. Thank you. What's that? I have it's numbers and letters. I don't know what it means. Annuities and stuff. Yeah. It's, a, it's a cereal. They didn't cover it on Sesame Street. I don't know. They should have, they should have covered that one on Sesame Street. Here's what we're going to do on the podcast panel today is we are going to talk about the parts of Star Wars that bother us, and we are going to try to make each other feel better about them. Now, that is an emphasis on try. I know what Yoda says, but all you can do sometimes is try. So we're going to make an effort. But at some point, uh, it might get to a level of darkness uh, where I'm trying to bring someone back to the light, and then I realize that I'm out on a bridge with my son, and it's not going to go well, and there's nothing I can do, and I'm going to back away. So we are going to try. What we're going to do is we're going to start is uh, each of my co-panelists is going to give me a grievance. I'm going to attempt to make them feel better about it. Other panelists, feel free to join in on helping your co-panelists feel better. Uh, And then we're going to have you guys line up here at this audience mic, and we're going to collect your grievances and try to get through as many of them as possible. The last note is it's important that the grievances are specific because they're much more interesting and easy to handle that way. So we would rather have you say not just, I didn't like Attack of the Clones, but I can't deal with the butt cow creatures that Anakin and Padme ride. We want nice, like, butt cow level specificity is what I'm getting at here. So I would like to start uh, with you, Ken. Well, that was mine. That was yours. For really? No. <laughs> all right, lay your grievance on me. Um, all right, so I try to go through life celebrating the greatest saga ever told, right? That's why we're all here. Yes. That's exactly Star right. Wars. Look at, look at that. Uh, look at that mall mash there, that mall inspired mash. That's great. On the audio podcast, it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes, though, I think part of we, we as Star Wars fans, Joseph, you always say, we agree there was one great movie, one really good movie, and a lot of movies we like to have fun with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that includes Jedi at times, Yubna. But um, I loved Force Awakens. I'm one of the people that loved what Force Awakens did. It was so many high expectations. It was, in a way, a soft reboot but it introduced three of the best Star Wars characters uh, around and it brought back the big three. That was the big drawing card at first. The big three bring us in, but it's Rey, Finn, and Poe, and and even Kylo, I should say, so four great new characters um, that we fall in love with. Uh, BB-8, five. Oh, it goes General (laughs) Hawks, six. Uh, Snap Wexley, seven. Um, Jess Pava, eight. Um, So... As much as I love Force Awakens, Joseph, as much as I've seen it like 12, 13, 14, 15 times, I just work out to it now. Um, 
I loved the ending. The ending was brave. The ending was strong. The ending was a, a bold move, and I was behind it. But how, Joseph, do I reconcile never seeing the big three on screen together at the same time? Okay, so how do you emotionally process it? How do I accept that in the story? How do I accept that as a fan? I'll never get to see Han, old Han, turn to old Luke and say together again. Uh, kid, I'll never have that moment. Yeah. Uh, well, I think until episode 8 comes out and episode 9 comes out, you can hold out hope that Luke is going to have a vision where he gets to see Han or he just sort of spaces out and stares into the distance and he just sees Han and he says, Han says, together again and Luke sadly says, no, never again. Would that make you feel better? That would start to make me feel better. Like, it's, is, it like is it like in Happy Gilmore where you look up and you see the crocodile and Chubbs and everybody yeah. and Han's up there playing Shabbat and everything? Yeah. I can kind of deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. If Han's like uh, giving Luke some parenting advice from beyond the r- other realm, yeah, I, I, I think it is definitely sad that they weren't together. I think there is a tiny possibility that there is some footage somewhere that has already been captured for some sort of force flashback memory sort of thing. Uh, but I think the 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 way that you can make yourself feel better about it that it didn't happen is think what we might have lost. That's great from the Force Awakens. If they had rejuggled the story just so we could see them together. Because we could just as easily be sitting here on this panel saying, they introduced Luke in a boring way, he seemed shoved in, there's no actual good narrative reason for Han and Luke to be together in that moment, but they just forced it in so they could have even more lines that call back to the original trilogy. And we could just be sitting here complaining about that version of reality. So it could have been nostalgia overload. Yeah. And I'd be spoiled. Yeah. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take to it. Now we have some drama and some pathos. Like, maybe Luke will feel guilty that he never came back and that he didn't get to see Han. And I think any way where we would have seen them together, it would have been jamming even too much more into Force Awakens. It's already full. Okay. I think I can come around on that. It might pay off if you have that Han in the sky vision yeah. or if the first line to Rey is uh, Han didn't come. And then we have some tears in episode eight that I can... Okay, I, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. That would be amazing if the opening crawl was just the big Star Wars, da, 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 and then the only thing in the crawl was Han died. And then <laughs> Luke has to cope. Uh, all, right. all right, okay. You, you can, is that pretty good? I can work with that. You can work with it. All right, sounds good. Uh, Jennifer, I'd like you to go next. All right. So, you know, I'm not going to harp on the special editions, but <laughs> there is a moment in A New Hope, and A New Hope, in my opinion, is like one of the most perfect films of all time, but this one scene ruins it for me, and that scene is between Jabba and Han Solo when they confront each other. To me, when I saw that the first time, I was so upset. Not only did, well, there's two reasons why. Number okay. one, the scene is totally unnecessary. Right. Because, you know, we already, Han even says some of the same lines that he just said with Greedo, right? Yeah, but we really understand him now, because we oh, heard him twice. We heard him twice. <laughs> That's just good marketing. <laughs> and then the second reason why was because this, the CGI Jabba looked nothing like the Jabba that I know and love. He came across kind of cartoony. Oh, I love him. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, because, you know, in Jedi, he's a ruthless gay. Gangster, yeah. right? He's he's sitting on his throne. He's holding court, and then in A New Hope, he's kind of slinking around like a smarmy salesman. It just it diminishes that character yes. for me. So help me, 
find some sort of redeeming quality yes. in the scene. This is the only thing that I think is fun to think about uh, in that the, the Han stepping on his tail. That, oh, no. that I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, what, you don't like John making a Jerry Lewis face with his eyes? It's you know? so cartoony. It's like, oh. It is very cartoony, but also realistic. Imagine what your face would do if you had a tail and someone stepped on it. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But and then you see Han kind of like slowly go up. I mean, that was added obviously uh, after the fact. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just no, I can't. Yeah. So here's here's the th- the thing that I think might make you feel a little bit better about it is a I think the the Han being more tough toward Jabba of like I'm not taking any of your BS. I'm kind of treating you like nothing. Mm-hmm. That helps to explain Jabba's anger. That increases Jabba's anger because we've got to see Han stick his finger almost physically where it should not be able to go in Jabba's face, right. step on his tail, like, well, now Jabba's pissed. Now right. Jabba's going to send out some bounty hunters for sure. Uh, also, I think it is fun to think about what happened to Jabba in those few years that changed him from a svelte hut Very who could get around on his own to... I cannot leave my palace unless I'm carried onto my sail barge by many, many weak way. Uh, so I think that he has... I have the headcanon that Han made him so angry. He became so obsessed with just Han, he just started stress eating. Ooh. A lot of frogs. Okay. Yeah, he just kept pounding frogs out of his snackquarium. Yeah. It's an excellent point, Ken. Uh, and he just got so mad because of that encounter right. that, he, that he became the, the Jabba that you know and love. Okay, so I think the only way that I can rationalize this would be if I imagine that maybe there's going to be a spin-off novel or a spin-off standalone film with him. Stress we eating? Do, yeah, well, we're going to see that kind of stress and, oh, Han driving me to eat yeah. frogs. Yeah, so this is, this is really interesting because I think it's going to come up a lot. Um, right when the special edition was coming out, the Young Han Solo trilogy that is now in Legends, mm-hmm. uh, that was written by A.C. Crispin, came out, uh, and it's a lot of Young Han Solo, Young Lando stuff, so we'll see if they take anything from that. But there's a foreword in that first book of, like, I had written most of the book, and then I saw the special edition, and then I realized I needed to write a reason that Jabba doesn't move around uh, in Jedi, but can move around in A New Hope. And the author's, it's obviously not canon anymore, but the author's solution was that being very corpulent and very heavy was a, a, a show of status among huts. Sure. So he was not as important then. And then by Jedi, ah. he had actually become bloated enough to be treated with respect. Okay. <laughs> See, All I right. like that. I prefer your headcanon where, like, if you ever went to the 24-hour fitness on Tatooine, it is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> And then the fact that they open a Krispy Kreme right next door to the cantina, there's going to be some eating going on there. What I always went back to as far as that job of the Hut scene is that I loved it because I put myself in the place. And I think I mentioned this on y'all's podcast when I was lucky enough to be a guest is that when I saw that on the big screen in 1997, in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is new Star Wars stuff. And it means that George Lucas, this amazing wizard of technology, is tinkering with the facts because we're getting new movies in a short couple years. So the excitement I felt seeing him try something new, whether it succeeded or failed, got me so pumped for the new films that I was like, you can do whatever you want. Now at that time, I didn't realize that that was going to be canon from now on, (laughs) and that we were never going to get to hear Yup Nub ever again unless you watch it on YouTube, but seeing that scene, I don't hate watching it because it gives me the excitement of new possibilities in the Star Wars universe. Jennifer, would it make you feel a little bit better if Ken and I wrote a little fan fiction story of Java stress eating (laughs) and read it to you? Yeah, 
Oh my gosh, yes! Okay, we will, we'll, we, will we do that? We'll do that? Yeah, yeah we'll do that. Thank Excellent. you guys, we'll, alright. On a future Force Center? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Jennifer, I might add too, I agree with you, that scene, we all as Star Wars fans grew up knowing that Fixer and Cammy and Biggs were on Tatooine first. If you had read the novelization, Alan Dean Foster Ghost wrote from George, uh, that was there and all that stuff. That scene was there, so it was right. exciting to see, but it was disappointing for me too. Uh, but... It also gave us one of the best, most underrated Star Wars lines, and I think Java said it twice, and that is, Han, oh, my bookie. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's true. There's something you can take from that. I'll That's take true. it. And I'll you're a parent, it. so you could call your child your bookie, oh, right? I'm a bookie. <laughs> Time to go to bed, my bookie. Bookie, <laughs> baska, baska. <laughs> you don't like it, and you have it memorized. Oh, That's okay. a trip. Well, yeah. You got me! You got me, Scrimshaw. <laughs> Excellent. So we're going to ask Mark Ellis, while we're doing that, if you have a Star Wars grievance, uh, by all means, feel free to start lining up at the mic. Oh, Jesus Christ. This oh, is going to be good. The Sith in front, too. All right. So uh, If I could just make the point, I want to I want to go back to Ken's uh, yeah. grievance um, really quick. And Ken, no, I just want to remind you that... It was so powerful seeing Han Solo talk about his affinity for Luke with Luke not around. Because you're always nice to your friends when they're in the room. But hearing Han talk so well about Luke Skywalker to Rey and Finn made me appreciate the fact that they were at the place their relationship needed to be. So they, if the circumstances were such they never saw each other again, it would have been okay. And the other thing I'll tell you is that every Star Wars fan has that thing that Ken has in the pit of their stomach where we're never going to get to see the big three again, and that makes us angry. That is also going to make Luke Skywalker angry. And so when he sees a bad guy in episode eight and he turns on his green lightsaber, he's going to be like Liam Neeson and Taken. He's going to be so upset. It's going to make Luke more of a badass in episode eight knowing that somebody did Han Solo wrong. Yeah, he's going to ignite his lightsaber and he's going to say, you took my bookie. And then he's going (laughs) to... That's great. You are truly the deeper of the schmoes. Well, I'm the more handsome. I don't know about anything else. But. All right. Now that you've, you've helped clear up Ken's grievance, Mark, what's your grievance? My grievance comes from the actual, the original release and the special edition of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And it's, there's always been kind of a disconnect between the, the mythological beliefs of Star Wars, hence the Force, with the technology side of Star Wars. And there's a scene that epitomizes this to me, and it's hard for me to rectify it. Hopefully one of you guys can help, is in that amazing end scene in A New Hope when we're doing the Death Star Trench run and Luke Skywalker, hey, everybody has their targeted computer, right? Which yeah. they had just installed in X-Wings. That's like a new toy for them. And it's counting down the exact moment when you should be firing your proton torpedoes at this tiny little opening that could destroy the Death Star. Everybody's using them. And then Luke Skywalker hears the voice of his dead friend who tells him, Luke, trust the Force. Let go, Luke. So what does Luke do? He turns off his targeting computer, which I will remind you, we had just installed in X-Wings, specifically designed to help us blow up the Death Star. He's listened to his dead friend, and that's fine. He switched off his targeting computer. Somebody gets on his mic and says that. Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Luke immediately says, nothing. I'm all right. And the guy's just like, he doesn't say, okay, you want to turn that back on for us? I, I, I can definitely help you with this. Look, we got a lot of corporate brass here that, uh, that really make the head honchos happy. If you could be using your targeting computer, use your Christianity bullshit too. But if you could put on the targeting computer, I think it'd be a nice marriage of both worlds. Why didn't they give him more feedback? This is a very yes, pressurized I, yeah, moment. Okay, so I, I, have two, I have two answers for that. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. First, the story I like is that nobody in that briefing room sees him as some messiah. He is some guy who showed up basically as extra baggage with Princess Leia. And some rebel pilot got scared, got drunk on jet juice and collapsed somewhere. And he's like, I can fly. And just all the rebel people are like, sure, all right, uh, we got an empty one. 
go for it. Like, they expect nothing from him. So you he is think the he was intern. A, he was a total scrub. He wasn't Luke Skywalker, famous romp rat target pilot from Tatooine. No. Nobody knew who he was. Yeah, he's just the, the idiot who showed up being like, I got it, guys. Everything will be fine. And you're like, sure, just go in the corner, whatever. So I think it's like, at that point, they're throwing their hands up. They're, they are making peace with the Force because they think they're about to be obliterated. Yeah. Or the guy who just showed up in the last minute, he thinks he's got something. I think there's a, a cut scene of like General Dodonna whispering to like other generals, like, just let the intern go first. Let's get someone else going. I think, I think they've got someone coming in behind. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of turning off the targeting computer, just the technology of that, that makes more sense to me than ever because I would rather be in a car in Los Angeles than somebody who has like a really good intuitive sense of the city rather than my GPS, which has told me twice to drive into the fucking ocean. <laughs> That is my targeting computer in reality. I don't want it in Star Wars. Can you imagine ways giving them directions into the trench? Like, in a quarter, they, they use the C3PO one that they downloaded. Like, in a quarter of a mile, turn left at the trench. Fire proton torpedoes now. Luke, you missed the Chipotle. Recalibrate. Uh, do you feel a little bit better with those? I, I do feel better, and it's also nice that you reminded me that Luke wasn't the Luke Skywalker we know. He was just some guy that you know Porkins probably gave him a lot of guff. You know, yeah. Porkins oh, like, oh, it's your first mission? Don't worry, kid. I got this. Yeah, like, how is that guy even there? Uh, all right, are we ready to take some I, audience? I think let's Yeah, we've got a few, okay. so we'll try to get through as many as we can. Uh, we'll start with you. Please give us your name and your grievance, Dark Lord of the Sith. My name is Shaylee. Prefaces for Jennifer, this is not anti Ewoks. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, and it's not that the Ewoks win, it's not that they use, you know, sticks and stones, it's the fact that Stormtrooper armor seems to multiply damage taken versus. <laughs> 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 and it's always taking me out of that scene of Battle So that is my favorite set. Not only is it ineffective, it actually seems to multiply damage taken. So uh, is your general grievance with Stormtrooper armor or with the uh, Ewok's ability to defeat them through the armor? The armor itself. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because I think the Ewok question is pretty easy. Is they get their little sticks and stones into the necks, right? I mean, they're always going for the necks. I mean, they know how to kill their food, no matter how it's dressed. Uh, but for the actual Stormtrooper armor, here's the thing that's been making me feel a little bit better about it, is that we as Star Wars fans assume that when we he see a Stormtrooper get hit in the armor, a little burst of fire, the sparks, and they fall down, we think, they're dead. It could be that the armor is just fine, and there is just, like, Stormtroopers everywhere with bruised sternums who are perfectly alive, and they've been kept alive by the armor. That's the headcanon that I've having lately to explain the armor. You got anything, Ken? Well, yeah. I'm going from a logistics point of view. I always say, if I was to be in the Star Wars universe, what job would I have? It's not Jedi, Sith, or Bounty Hunter. It's I'd like to be a, like a uniform uh, merchant on Coruscant right next to the Jedi Temple. Like, I got your robes here! Like, you uh, and, and the new Ahsoka novel, which is great, I'm close to finishing it, touches on a little bit. It takes place about a year after uh, the Grand Republic uh, becomes... The Empire. Yeah. And it was kind of a rush job. So <laughs> think logistically that they suddenly were out of nowhere. Someone was like, all right, we're switching, we're switching our, our branding. Um, let's get some uniforms. Let's do this quick. Let's find some armor. I don't think it's the best. And it just took them about 19, 21 years to realize they had some real threats. Took some little teddy bears to figure it out. I think if they had gone on, and by the time the First Order comes around, they're like, let's, let, let's just keep everything the same. We just need TIE fighters, stormtroopers, and let's improve 
move the arm. And I don't think the Ewoks yeah. can take down the first Order Stormtroopers right now. Hmm. That's my head game. I do, I do like that. I think, and I think we are getting uh, some extra canon that the Stormtroopers just in general are not as good because the Empire is being cheap. And I love the idea that over the 19 years, they just get cheaper and cheaper toward till like on Endor, they're basically wearing like paper. It's hubris. Yeah. Right. It's Palpatine's hubris. Yeah. But let's also not forget why they're so cheap. I mean, when you, when you watch the Rogue One trailers, the Empire was clearly throwing all their money at death troopers and flowing white capes, okay? <laughs> but they did have a great armor battalion, and you know where they held it? In the first Death Star. It got blown up. So they have some backup armor. They have, like, basically paper plates they had on a Star Destroyer they could outfit them with. That's why they're so much easier to kill in The Empire Strikes Back and then in Return of the Jedi. Plus, the, the sheer morale of getting murdered by teddy bears really <laughs> does a job on your ego. So as much as their armor was getting pierced, it's the bruised ego that I think fell the stormtroopers. I think you're right. I think there were a lot of stormtrooper suicides on the moon of Endor. Like, I've been beaten. I'm going to take myself all the way out. Jennifer, do you have any Ewok thoughts? Then we should move on. Yeah, I, I would just say flimsy armor and also thought this, like, this is very surprising. They were startled by the Ewoks. It's, it's almost like if a kid were to throw a rock at you, you're not going to expect it, right? So you're going, ha oh, God. I'm going to take you by surprise. So I think that, that might we, have happened. Jennifer, you're the most pro-Ewok on this panel here. I am. Um, we, look, they're cute little teddy bears and we can see their zippers in the original uh, version of it. Uh, and their booties. But um, we don't know how strong they are. Don't assume they're weak. They're whipping that thing. That could be a lot of bear-like muscles slinging a rock at you. It can penetrate any arm. Absolutely. Thank you for saying zippered booties and Ewoks in the same sentence. <laughs> Made my day. Uh, does that help a little bit? Yes, thank you. Excellent. Uh, please, name and grievance. Um, my name's Tony, and I'm not sure this counseling work, but the only Ewoks were supposedly carnivorous, so that helps. Yeah, they were going to eat on. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, and my grievance is the expanded universe is going out the window. Yeah. I was collecting for 20 years. Okay. I'm not going to have autographs. I'm going to be told, oh, sorry, it doesn't count anymore. I'm, I'm like, all you have is now basically fan fiction. You have to start collecting all over again. And... Yeah. So there's, there's uh, for people listening to the podcast, there is a round of applause that you might not be able to hear. There's some fists raised in the air. <laughs> Some EU fist yes. in the air. There is a great amount of anger. Uh, so EU I would so say EU for life. Okay, so, uh, so feel free to jump in, guys. Do you, is it that you want the EU to come back or you just want help emotionally processing that this is not a part of official canon? I want money back, bro. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's my well, the, the Disney Lucasfilm panel is going to be in celebration in Orlando this year. You can, you can go ask them directly. Yeah. How many children could you put through college on what you've spent on the EU? Uh, maybe one semester. Oh, uh, so yeah, a semester, but that's, that's a lot. A lot. I, you know, I think the biggest thing is EU is like, I totally understand being upset, and I think there are a lot of people who came into the fandom when the EU was the big thing, and the story was so continuous that you felt very, very connected to it. But the great thing is, it's, it is never going away. You can read it anytime you want, and I think we get caught up in what is official canon, but we can all make up our head canon, and if you want to pick and choose from it, you can. It is always still there, and I understand that only helps a little bit, because you're mostly just mad at the mouse. Uh, and this is Star Wars counseling, not mouse counseling. I can't, I can't help with Disney. Do you guys have any thoughts about EU? How, how do you feel about Thrawn being integrated in like Star Wars Rebels and kind of, you know, no, you don't like the whole cherry picking aspect? Well, I'm glad that he was some aspect of the like, I know the lights in the combat forms are still there. 
and I know, I know Blanc's back, I know, uh, I know like some of the old characters are, uh, are coming back, but... Like kind of giving them new life, maybe, or nah, not, not, it's not yeah, so the same. Does it make you so? It, it, right. You're not elated when something that you used to cherish comes back. It's that the thing that you want it to be whole or nothing. Kind of. Yeah. I was being a fan of for like 20 some years, and I always want to see the Jedi move back. I always want to see you know then reset out the galaxy, kind of get back to the books, only be told, "Ooh, sorry, all your accounts were all your accounts were starting to scratch all over again." Yeah, yeah, and I so I. I want to wait another twenty years to see that before they're really snatched all over again. Yeah, how would you feel about about if there becomes a community of people who write the fan fiction of the EU so that you can still enjoy it? If there was like you know a, a group of people who exchange stories, continuing that would is that something that would give you joy? <laughs> okay. Uh, does anybody else have any other thoughts? I mean, community is the big word here because you want to feel like you're a part of something that is so great that it's it's celebrated all over the world. Whereas with the extended universe now, there's more pockets of people that are aware of it and that still treat it like it was canon. But just don't forget how important it was and that how much you celebrate it because without all of those things bridging the gap from the original trilogy through to the new prequels, we don't have. Star Wars like it is today. So it was things like that that kept it afloat. And I think that it is celebrated, not necessarily on the big screen in terms of the movies going forward, but it's always going to have a place in the Star Wars Hall of Fame. I think that's a really, a really good point, is that it, I, I know this is not entirely what you want to hear, but this is a, a Kylo Ren and Han wrestling on the bridge moment of, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to totally help you. But I, I, a positive thing is I think the fact that it is separated now from the canon does drive interest to it in a way. Like the young Han Solo books I, I was just mentioning, I used to own. I really loved them. I'm really curious to see if they're going to pull anything from them. And I made a point of going back and buying them. And I'm going to reread those and spend more time with the EU because it's not a part of the official canon anymore. So in some ways, I think Mark's making a really good point of that. It, it, it makes us value it. It makes people pay attention to it in a way that they wouldn't before because they're so interested in what was this way and what is that way. And, and Joseph, we should point out that if we can't help you, if you don't feel better after asking a question, I'll be selling death sticks right outside <laughs> afterwards. So. Uh, one final thought, because I never, I, the EU fans uh, are, as we can see, it's passionate. We put a lot of time into it. Uh, I came and went. As big as a Star Wars fan I was, I, it got muddled for me. Um, but for every awesome thing, like say a Dash Rendar, you had Jackson, the X, X-Wing flying rabbit, for every uh, cool tale from uh, Jabba's palace, you had Luke drinking hot chocolate. Um, <laughs> Chewbacca got hit by a moon, Kenny. <laughs> Chewbacca's dead in the EU, right? Got hit by a moon. But the only thing I'll say is, the people making Star Wars right now read everything you've read. Mm-hmm. And they loved it too. Someone told them to get rid of it. They all decided to do it. But I think it's still in their hearts. And it still exists. And it's going to come out in some way. As far as your money back... I don't know. Yeah. And maybe in episode eight, when, when Luke stares off in the distance and sees Han, he'll also see just a panorama of EU books. And he'll remember those happily. Thank you very much for your question. Round of applause. Yay. Your name and grievance? My name is Zilhan. I'll be fine, guys. Uh, my grievance is uh, Kenny's hair. Uh, Ponytail's gone, man. Ponytail's gone. <laughs> uh, seriously, uh, my... Uh, it was kind of similar but opposite. Like, I'm more of a movies and TV guy, I don't very much just like Ellis. So, it's more towards Ellis, actually. Um, I'm a functional illiterate, but thank you for pointing that out. 
does it bother you to be around people who always talk about canon and canon and all that stuff, extended universe or legends? Like, to me, it was hard to keep up with because uh, I was introduced to Star Wars uh, uh, really late in my life. But when my friends talk about it, I'm like, why are you guys talking about it? I've never seen that before, I've never heard that before. So it kind of pisses me off sometimes. Like, you know, <laughs> people talk about it every single day, you don't know about it, they force you to read a book or. So you're just having a conversation about Star Wars, and then one of your buddies goes, well, actually, in canon. And you're like, yeah. God and damn I it. have no idea what, what are you talking about. I don't have even heard about it. So I know you guys are. Especially the eldest, you always around how yeah. Kenny, and you hear things about comic books, and uh, you're like, no, I mean, I, I, I can I can rest easy at night knowing that my knowledge of the original trilogy will dominate theirs in a trivia contest. So <laughs> if, if they want to throw the books and the comic books at me, that's fine. But I also have something I can counter with. But I think that sometimes we get spoiled in modern society where it's so easy to have a community of people and you can just link up with somebody on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact of why we love the thing in the first place, where it wasn't necessarily ever a competition as to who knew more about Star Wars. That's not what drew me to it when I was a little kid. It was the fact that I believed in something bigger than myself. So as long as you remember why you love Star Wars in the first place, you can deal with people who get a little too uh, you know, uppity about how much they know or how correcting they are. And you can also use sense of humor to disarm whatever they're trying to use to throw at you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'll just say real quick, too, that I, I kind of like it when I can't necessarily keep up with everything. I read most of the books. I don't read all the comics. And then sometimes Ken will come over to record Force Center, and he'll be like, man, you won't believe what happened in this, this comic book. And I feel like I'm a kid again, because it's just some rando telling me some Star Wars stuff that I'm supposed to believe. It's like, it's like on Recess. We're, yeah, it's we're like Recess. recess. Yeah. On the slide. <laughs> Darth Vader uh, it was uh, made, made into a, a clone by a doctor named Kylo. And I'm like, really? Did that really happen? And Ken's like, like uh-huh. Space whale ships. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, name and grievance. Okay, my name is Brad, and my canon for the, star, for the Stormtrooper armor is just that it's designed to handle blasters. It's not designed to handle someone running up with a spear going, die, die, die. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's good. Yes, like that. it's vulnerable to the words die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my grievance is probably on most people's top ten list, so I don't know if it's already been addressed at some point with you guys, but you have Jar Jar B, <laughs> who in episode one is... Proven to be an idiot. Yes. And yet, in episode two, he's Amidala's right hand with the Senate. He's like, he replaces her when she has to go with the <laughs> And we already see there are, and if it was just because they needed a Gungan up there, we already saw other much more capable Gungans who could fill that role. Right. So my grievance is, how in hell does Jar Jar become the reason Palpatine takes over? Yes. Well, thank you for delivering that like it was a Louis C.K. rant. With that, that level of anger and charm. That was, that was very well. So how, how does he end up in the Senate? It's specifically like, why is this idiot in the Senate? Right? Yeah. I have some thoughts, but I want to open it to you guys first. Jennifer, do you have any? Uh, you know how I feel about Jar Jar. I do. This woman once burned a Jar Jar figure on a YouTube video, so... I'm not the person. I'm not the person. 
person to okay. ask about this one. Okay. Look, I, I'll, I'll say this, too. Is it, is it uh, Jar Jar? First of all, if you believe the Jar Jar Snoke theory, that's just the genius of Snoke. Um, <laughs> I'll also tell you this. Is that Jar Jar, while he may not come off as the smartest Gungan or the most warlike Gungan, he has had more interpersonal as far as with different species relationships than most Gungans have. So that might have made him uniquely qualified to deal with human beings and with droids, whereas other Gungans may be more stuck to their own clan. Yeah, I also like it as a story of, because I, I think there's so many different facets of Star Wars that we can get caught up in, but I feel like uh, George Lucas originally intended it as, as a story of hope and kindness, and I like the idea of somebody going and saying, we, we want a Gungan because we want to have equal representation on Naboo, who volunteers. Oh, Jar Jar volunteered. We will be kind. <laughs> and we will give you a chance. We will try. We will help you. And I, I feel like it's an interesting story when you view it as a very flawed, bad decision that our characters made to try to give this noble, well-intentioned idiot a chance. Uh, and then it gives it this deep level of Shakespearean like tragedy and irony that that attempt to be kindness plunged the galaxy into darkness for 20 years. Yeah, you literally have scoreboard because Jar Jar was the reason Palpatine got voted into power. Dello Felicates is one of the most important scenes in all of Star Wars. Uh, but it sounds as, so dirty, yeah, too. <laughs> as far as other, other Gungans, again, I agree with uh, you, what you guys are saying. Like, he had the most experience with his team, the most trusted. You know Boss Nass was not going to be like going through the planet core again. So um, I think uh, Tarples couldn't do it. Jar Jar was the guy, but I think in, their own, in George's own way, he tried to give us a little piece back by making Jar Jar the reason it all fell apart. We yeah. can at least take that. There's a great episode towards the end of the Clone Wars uh, animated series uh, where Jar Jar has a, some sort of relationship with some other political figure and reveals himself to be like a little bit political savvy, too. So if you want to, you can dive into like, oh, well, maybe they tried to retcon that a little bit. But otherwise, you know, it, it's a tragic mistake. Does that make you feel a little bit better? A little? I mean, I can kind of accept that people are idiots. Think about how many stupid people are actually elected officials in this country right now. The fact that there's one dumb Gungan that's running around, I think it's, I think it's forgivable. Yes. Thank you very Thank much you. for your question. Okay. Yay. We led a person to the lightness by reminding them that most people suck. So, great. Uh, name and grievance, please. Uh, well, I don't know if I can say two short ones or not. Uh, Real quick. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the iffy, the iffy situation of the canonicity of uh, the Old Republic and the unfinished storyline between Anakin and Sam. The unfinished storyline between and Anakin and, and the sand? Anakin and sand. And his relationship to sand? Like, have you ever felt better about sand? Yeah. Uh, well, should we tackle that one first? Sure. Yeah. I think he's got some, like, sand sealant on the costume, right? On the, on the armor. I don't think sand ever gets in there. I think after he got the suit, he accepted what had happened to him, he realized there's some ups to this. There's some positives. I think he went back to the medical droids and said, seal me up. Make sure no sand can ever get in here and irritate me again. It is one of the pluses of being a Dark Lord. Uh, any other sand thoughts, gang? I, I don't have any. <laughs> I, 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 I think there's going to be somewhere a new canon short story where uh, Palpatine sends Vader to Jakku to go investigate something, and the ship lands, Vader looks, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, or it would be great if, if Vader is walking around and he's just using the force to just push the sand away <laughs> till it's bare rock every step he takes. That what was the... I got so distracted by that. I guess the, the uh, iffy 
uh, if you about uh, the old republic, is it canon? Is it not canon? Sure. It's been deemed not canon, but uh, at least the old republic video games keep coming out with expansions and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. Can you have that? Uh, I can't. I, I don't know anything too specific, but I know we've had uh, our friend Christian Harloff. You may have heard him and his love of the old republic um, has had conversations with authors of those kind of titles, yes. and the word "getting back" kind of seems to be "leave it alone for now." So I, I am hopeful. I think everyone says, you know, we should, hey, if you have a Netflix series, it should be The Old Republic. Um, the nice thing is, uh, yeah, give it up for The Old Republic. Um, I think, uh, is it, uh, it's, it's, I always get confused. It's Bane or Revan that shows up in Clone Wars. Help me. Bane. Bane, right? So we know Bane's, Bane's there. Yes. So we're going to get something. And I think the answer of what, will, will The Old Republic be canon? Do the games count? Everything. It's a wide open world. The, the, the Bane novels are great. Uh, it gave us a whip lightsaber. I mean, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, I'm thrilled that a video game is never canon because I just want them to be wide open and fun. Because, you know, you play some video games and, uh, you know, Nine Numb can kill Darth Vader. I don't need that to be canon. You know? So I'm happy that the video games are wide open and that we're getting a little bit of EU basically in the video games where they can explore it and then we'll get some official canon Old Republic eventually. Well, thank you. Thank you. A round of applause. <laughs> uh, thank you. Name and grievance, please. My name is Veronica, and my grievance is that the animation from the prequels is very ugly compared to the puppets. It's annoying. All right. Uh, I understand. Yeah, Jennifer, do you? <laughs> I understand, dear child. Um, <laughs> because, and that's part of that was part of my grievance with Jabba is that right. the, the CGI does look. It doesn't have the same kind of life as the puppets do. I think that that is a big challenge. I think that The Force Awakens did a really good job with handling that with both the you know practical effects and also the special effects. So I do think that going forward, it's going to get better. And even with, if you look at in 1997 with The New Hope, right? And then you look at the 2004 edition of A New Hope, the special effects are even better. So who knows, maybe in another few years, they might go back and tinker again and make the special effects better. Maybe a little bit of hope. I mean, they can um, make the Ewoks blink. They can do anything. And that's a great addition. <laughs> yeah. Would you like it if they remade the prequels and they made everybody out of puppets, even the human actors? <laughs> <laughs> that made you think. I think that's what George viewed them as anyway. Yes, exactly. Does that help a little bit? All right. Thank you very much for your question. <laughs> Name and grievance, please. Um, Sandra, my grievance is. The ending of Return of the Jedi, they destroyed my childhood of seeing the traditional Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> old man. Sebastian mm-hmm. Shaw, yeah. Yes. Plays too much freaking emo Anakin Skywalker. I was so angry when I saw the theaters, like, why? Why? <laughs> okay. Did, did you go, no? Yeah, big, big valid concern. Yeah, I think that is a very valid concern. Of course, we know uh, George's idea that he was the good man of Anakin Skywalker when he looked that way and that the audience would have more of a relationship with Hayden Christensen. The thing that makes me feel better about that idea is I think it's a fine idea that we would have a better relationship with Hayden Christensen if, in general, I know some people really love his performance, a lot of, a lot of us don't. How would we... I think it's a fun thought experiment to say, what if 
Hayden Christensen had knocked it out of the park in the prequels, and he was incredibly charming, and we did have a deep emotional relationship to him. Would it make you happy to see him appear if you had loved his performance? If he had sucked, and then so freaking emo, yeah, maybe. Okay. But no, they were, they yeah. See, I, I kind of look at it like this, like, like sometimes you get out of bed, as a force ghost, sometimes you get out of bed in the morning and you feel great, and you just feel like a nice, virile young man, and other times you had a long night at whatever afterlife bar you were at the, before, and you wake up and you look like shit, and you look just, you look like an old person, so I think it's a little fluid in that afterlife, the way you look, like, if I die, and I make the cut to go to heaven, I don't necessarily want to go to heaven as a hundred year old man, right, like, I want to go to heaven, then I want to be back to, like, you know, this spitting image, ready to go wild Mark Ellis, yeah, uh, yes, I, I, I like to, I like uh, I like Mark's argument, and that is the the headcanon that I use is that he can choose how to appear, and he is appearing as his young self because he's still trying to annoy Obi Wan, even in death. Would it make you feel better if they re-released it again, but put you and McDonald in as as Obi Wan Kenobi? If McGregor shows back up, they did it. He's there, and we're all young, and you don't know Yoda could be 140 in that vision. We. we you don't know how they age. We don't even know what species he is. Would that make you feel a little better if that was evened up that way? Yes. Okay, we, we'll campaign All right. for that. Thank you very, very much. Uh, and uh, with that, unfortunately, Mr. Mark Ellis has to run off to a schmo-down panel, so a big round of applause Thank for you the young, well. lean Mark Ellis. And, and, be with you all. Thank you, guys. And I'll be over that panel, too. You, you will not miss it if you stay here. We're going to wrap up shortly, and I'm going to be heading over Schmodown, too. He's just got to go. That's right. So, uh, that's Use your targeting computer, Mark. In room uh, 306 AB, the slider uh, movie trivia Schmodown panel. Okay, we're going to try to get in just a few more. What's your name and grievance? My name is Matthew, and my grievance is, I know this is a better question for Disney, but <laughs> I have to ask, similar to the EU cancellation, why was the Clone Wars canceled? Why? Oh, so, I mean, you... you... Dave Filoni still wants to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, it's wrapped up to make room. Uh, the, there's a lot of great stuff about it in uh, the, the how Star Wars conquered the universe, about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, and I think you're probably after asking more emotionally. But if it would help you process, it's a great book anyway, uh, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. And there's a lot of discussion about how Clone Wars never really got to the point of like making a ton of money. And George Lucas was just like, I want to see it. Here's a bunch of money. I'm going to keep it going. Yeah, so that's one of the points. We, we sometimes take shots at George. George is George, and he's our, our funny, crazy grandfather now. But he is still the creator. He's still the man behind it. A lot of Clone Wars, and I love Clone Wars, other than the shark villain, which is still... Rift Hampson. Yeah. yeah. Um, George paid for a lot of that out of his own money to get that off the ground. Um, so, eventually, it wasn't making money. It's, unfortunately, a business decision. Amazing. It was yeah. great. I mean, I know people who just seen the first season are asking, what am I talking about? But look at the fifth season. Look at the sixth season. Great stuff. Yeah. You will see... Like some of the best 3D animation on television, like television. I, I have never seen that. Yeah, and it's great. It gave us to me one of my top five Star Wars characters. She went from Snips to Ahsoka. Ahsoka Tano is an amazing character. Showed amazing growth. You should all read that novel that just came out. It's really good. 
She's even better in the fan fiction. <laughs> even better in the fan fiction. Who's saying I haven't written some Ahsoka fan fiction, all right? Um, but, but as far as why it got canceled, unfortunately, sometimes that's what it is. But at least the same team is behind Rebels. And Filoni is grabbing, and Filoni is grabbing and pulling that stuff in. And that, at least we can have some hope. Yeah, in. I think that's where you, you need to put your focus. Because I love Clone Wars, too. And I wish it had continued exactly as it was and finished telling those stories. But think of how great it is, uh, as a fan, to have something you love, have it be canceled... And then the new thing that you're not sure about spends half of its time going back to rescue characters and stories from the thing, you know, that doesn't happen a lot of times where a new show comes along and and basically tries to pay respect to the thing that you lost. So that's what I try to concentrate on and feel positive about. It's more, uh, I mean, I am very appreciative of that bringing a lot of the Clone Wars elements into Rebels. It's just that I want to see those stories that I think could have been much better than any episode of Rebels. Yeah, and we will see, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see, see those someone. stories in books and comic I books and that. I want to see the Dark Disciple and Ventress. I want to see moments. I want to see it all. No, we, we understand. I respect your passion. A big round of applause for your question. <laughs> Name and grievance. We're going to try to get in uh, just a couple more if we can. Uh, name is uh, Bob. Hey, Bob. <laughs> 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 uh, There are some physics issues for sure, right? I mean, that's kind of an overall Star Wars thing. The, the, yeah. the Star Wars bubble, the Star Wars nerd bubble I climb into on that is that the Republic, the government had started to fail and started to turn on itself, it started to become lax, and it is, thank God for General Leia and Admiral Akbar and all the teams she pulled in, uh, because they were the ones who saw it, and I don't think, even if presented with it, this is my headcanon now, Joseph, yeah. it doesn't count for real, um, that I think even if fully presented with a Starkiller base, I think Chancellor Vilchim would have been like, eh, we're good here at Nazian Prime. But they're never going to fire it, right? Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fun story that they're building out in books like Bloodline that it is a story again of sort of like hubris of people like not wanting to deal with this, so they kind of aren't paying attention to it. like oh I, I I see people buying a lot of laser parts that are planet sized. I'm sure it's fine. Great question though. We're gonna get a couple yeah. more here. Thanks, so yeah, Bob. let's uh, let's make this our last one because uh, you have been very passionate. My name is Ray Manson. Yeah. Uh, I've been a fan of Star Wars for 39 years. I'm 29. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very uh, enthusiastic about Star Wars. I've read a lot of novels and seen, you know, the uh, everything from splurges of my mind's eye to the, the Star Wars holiday special. So. All right, you've been um, places. You've seen things. <laughs> Anyways, my grievance is a couple grievances, but I'll just do one. Uh, I wasn't quite good with the, the transition from the uh, EU uh, shifting over to the uh, the uh, Legends title. Um, I was I was uh, I was fine with um, 
them, uh, you know, getting rid of the starting bit. They were given uh, creative, creative freedom for the most part for the, uh, you know, the movies. Yeah, we need to get to the grievance because we're almost out of time. Okay. <laughs> um, my grievance was is that I thought that Force Awakens was almost a carbon copy of Star Wars and New Hope because there were many aspects. Right. There was a young, 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 you know, yeah. right. person on, on a you know, desert planet. There was a giant weapon that was destroying the whole planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, yeah, we, we could be here for, uh, like, another hour listing the similarities, right? There are for sure a lot of similarities, but uh, just in the interest of wrapping up, uh, the thing that I focus on, and Jennifer and Ken, please jump in, is that Star Wars, to me, is always about the mashup of the old and the new. It's like a cocktail of, even when A New Hope was brand new, all the characters were talking about what happened in the past, and the baggage of the past, and what is ancient. And I feel like Star Wars is always going to be a cocktail, and when you look at Force Awakens, for a lot of people's taste, there's a little bit too much old. But that doesn't mean that there isn't new. There are things that are brand new, and I, I try to focus on the new to be positive about it. Ken, Jennifer? Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, they're trying to regain uh, the adventure, the sense of fun, you know, since with the prequels it was a very different style. And also for, like, the younger fans who are just getting into Star Wars, they've been watching Rebels or, you know, learning about it. And so for them, The Force Awakens, this was a great introduction for them. And so, and I also think it's introducing Star Wars to a whole new group of fans that are maybe not as hardcore as us, but a little more casual. And they're like, this was a great time. I want to go see this five more times. Yeah. Sorry, Jen. Yeah, no, yeah. I can, I can never disagree with anyone who says Force Awakens is what it is uh, in terms of a, a quote carbon copy, but I think it's a car, it, it takes elements of the original trilogy. Re, it is a soft reboot. It is a business. Hollywood is a business. It's a soft reboot, uh, but it clears the path for 8 and 9 to be totally different. Absolutely. Uh, I'll say this. I won't tell you who, but someone I know knows Ryan Johnson. He said, I turned in that script and was surprised that they said, no notes, go shoot it. It's going to be something dark and crazy and different and weird, but also... Force Awakens gave us some things. It gave us Kylo Ren, Finn, Poe, and above all, it gave us Rey. Yeah. And I think that's something we always take away from that movie. Yeah, so just like BB-8, we keep rolling toward the next one. Thank you guys so much. You can find us on Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. It's at Force Center Pod. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal naked honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.